Part 2, Section 21 of The Dark Flower. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Dark Flower by John Galsworthy, Section 38. It was past ten when they came out from the wood. She had wanted to wait for the moon to rise, not a gold coin of a moon as last night, but ivory pale and with a gleaming radiance level over the fern and covering the lower boughs, as it were, with a drift of white blossom. Through the wicket gate, they passed once more beside the moon-colored wheat, which seemed of a different world from that world in which they had walked but an hour and a half ago. And in Lennon's heart was a feeling such as a man's heart can only know once in all his life. Such humble gratitude and praise and adoration of her who had given him her all. There should be nothing for her now but joy, like the joy of this last hour. She should never know less happiness. And kneeling down before her at the water's edge, he kissed her dress and hands and feet, which tomorrow would be his forever. Then they got into the boat. The smile of the moonlight glided over each ripple and reed, closing water lily, over her face where the hood had fallen back from her loosened hair, over one hand trailing the water and the other touching the flower at her breast. And just above her breath, she said, Row, my dear love, it's late. Dipping his skulls, he shot the skiff into the darkness of the backwater. What happened then he never knew, never clearly, in all those after years. A vision of her white form risen to its feet, bending forward like a creature caught that cannot tell which way to spring, a crashing shock, his head striking something hard, nothingness. And then, an awful, awful struggle with roots and weeds and slime, a desperate agony of groping in that pitchy blackness among tree stumps, in dead water that seemed to have no bottom. He and that other, who had leaped at them in the dark with his boat like a murdering beast. A nightmare search more horrible than words could tell, till in a patch of moonlight on the bank they laid her, who for all their efforts never stirred. There she lay all white, and they too crouched at her head and feet, like dark creatures of the woods and waters over that which their hunting had slain. How long they stayed there, not once looking at each other, not once speaking, not once ceasing to touch with their hands that dead thing, he never knew. How long in that summer night, with its moonlight and its shadows quivering around them, and the night wind talking in the reeds. And then the most enduring of all sentient things had moved in him again, so that he once more felt. Never again to see those eyes that had loved him with their light. Never again to kiss her lips, frozen, like moonlight to the earth with the flower still clinging at her breast, thrown out on the bank like a plucked water lily. Dead? No, no, not dead. Alive in the night. Alive to him, somewhere. Not on this dim bank in this hideous backwater with that dark, dumb creature who had destroyed her. Out there on the river, in the wood of their happiness, somewhere alive. And staggering up past Cramier, who never moved, he got into his boat, and like one demented, pulled out into the stream. But once there in the tide, he fell huddled forward, motionless above his oars. And the moonlight flooded his dark skiff, drifting down. And the moonlight effaced the ripples in the water that had stolen away her spirit. Her spirit mingled now with the white beauty in the shadows, forever part of the stillness and the passion of a summer night. Hovering, floating, listening to the rustle of the reeds and the whispering of the woods. One with the endless dream, that spirit passing out, as all might wish to pass, in the hour of happiness. End of section 38